we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the show where we wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting a premonition, Ned. I'm 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 seeing something. I'm seeing a vision. I see sex and violence in our future. Mm. Ah! Oh, oh wow! How very uh, deterministic of you. Joining me as usual is my guest, roommate, and co-host Ned. Say hi, Ned. What is happening, world of movie watchers? Um, so the reason why I got a premonition is because we're watching Final Destination tonight. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that movie. Uh, Final Destination, of course, is a 2000 American supernatural horror film directed by James Wong with a screenplay written by James Wong, Glenn Morgan, and Jeffrey Reddick mm-hmm. based on a story by Reddick. It's the first installment in the Final Destination film series, of which there are currently five. It stars Devin Sawa, Ali Larder, Kerr Smith, and Tony Todd. In this movie, Sawa portrays a teenager who cheats death after having a premonition of a catastrophic plane explosion. He and several of his classmates leave the plane unharmed before the explosion occurs. But death later takes the lives of those who were meant to die on the plane. Have you ever seen Final Destination? I have not. However, this is actually one that's sort of been on the like medium grade list of films I really want to watch. You know, Mm -hmm. like like a movie that I'm like, oh yeah, I want to watch that, but... But it's not so high priority that I necessarily have done anything to to get myself to watch it. But I I remember seeing the ad for it Uh and being really intrigued by the idea of the monster of the film being fate. Fate. Or, or whatever. Death. Or, or death. Or whatever it is. I was like, okay, that's actually like a cool horror premise. And uh, so I'm I'm very excited for this one. Very, very cool. Now, um, I have seen this movie before. Uh, and I've seen, in fact, all of the Final Destination films. Yeah. Um, the first four of which are currently streaming on Netflix as of this recording. Um, and, I mean... I think it's safe to say it's not a controversial statement. These are not great movies, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> but uh, but they're a lot of fun, and I think like uh, you know, I guess a lot of people will say that these are movies for gore hounds, and yes, there is a fair amount of gore in it. But for me, the fun of it is really to to see all the Rube Goldberg. Deaths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a thing. I I remember just being being kind of struck by what I saw of the trailers mm-hmm. of just like, oh, wow, these these situations that they find themselves in appear so convoluted. Right. And, um, basically, so. basically, like, 99.9% of the scenarios in these movies can be solved if you just follow your OSHA guidelines. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Any, any movie that justifies the existence of OSHA, I am here for. So... 
Uh, we are going to watch this movie, which, as I said, is available to stream on Netflix. If you guys at home want to watch with us, please do so now. And then we'll be back after a little bit and we'll play some trivia and have some discussion. Are you ready to watch Final Destination? Uh, I mean, I think it's been predetermined. <laughs> No escape. There's no escaping it now. We're we're in for it. All right, guys. We're going to watch Final Destination. We'll be right back. We'll see you on the other side. Mm-hmm. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. We are back! We made it. We are alive and well! We are alive. Death has skipped us. It has yeah, we 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 found the design. <laughs> and 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 yeah, we're here. We just watched Final Destination, the first. Um, what are your first reactions, Ned? This movie is so ridiculous. <laughs> this movie is so ridiculous. It is. Um <laughs> So I have to start with um, just like, like, here's the thing, like, I I almost kind of have to admire it because uh, especially like in the first half of the movie, they really the they really they really lean a lot on like the conventions of like horror film suspense building like cinematic techniques as Uh far as like, you know, slowly panning through a room, the use of music, like certain angles and like revealing Mm -hmm. the room and stuff like that. But like the whole, but like the whole thing of it is that like, you know, again, it's like this whole absurd idea that basically like the entire world is a thing of danger. And so it's just like it, it 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 totally reads as this like just like sort of anxiety fever dream that you're just like <laughs> that it just like 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 that this is how the world's most anxious person views everything like with right. the ominous music and just like yeah all that stuff um and he's even established from the very beginning to be like a superstitious kid you know exactly he has, he has yeah yeah he starts with that little thing about the luggage tag and and so like there's like something that you have to admire about like trying to pull that off like from a filmmaking perspective but like it just gets so ridiculous because like you have to come up with like more and more elaborate like (laughs) setups and and ways for people to die in a Mm -hmm. quote-unquote natural way because like there's no actual antagonist to the movie right um it's just literally death or fate or whatever um it's so ridiculous um some of the some of the combinations of things that happened in this movie just defy (laughs) defy any kind of sense (laughs) like just not even common sense just like they defy sense um it is so ridiculous, and I had such a great time watching it's it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's absurd. Like, the characters' motivations are all just, like, completely out of whack, and, like, the writing is terrible. Um, mm. Oh, yeah. The, the filmmaking is, you know, passable, but, like, it's just such a ridiculous concept. Yeah. And, and they really lean into it, like... Yeah, I was I was laughing really hard by the end of this movie. It was it was a really good time. 
Which is like, you know, if you're, it's supposed to be a horror movie, but, um, you know, if you, as, if, as long as you're having fun, then it's, it's successful on some level. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it, and it's like, they definitely like played it straight. Like they, like, right. I don't think there was much, there was not much like sort of self-awareness mm. to it. Um, like even Sean William Scott's presence in the movie, right, like yeah. he, like even he doesn't do any sort of like winking at the camera. He's just there to be weirdly, awkwardly goofy and, yeah. um, like, yeah. So it, 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 it's just so weird though, because like it is playing it straight for the whole time and there is no self-awareness about it, but like it gets so absurd while playing it straight. It's so melodramatic. Um, just, yeah, it's, it's so ridiculous. So the, uh, just to have a quick rundown of the character so we can keep him straight during the discussion. We have uh, Devin Sawa playing Alex. Ali Larder was clear. Uh, Kerr Smith, he played Carter, who is the jock. Uh, Kristen Cloak played Miss Luton. We have um, Chad Danella as Todd and Sean William Scott as Billy. Those are those are the uh, the survivors. Yeah. So we have Terry in there too, or oh yeah, where's Terry? Uh, Amanda Detmer played okay, cool. Ter- Terry. Awesome. awesome. Let's not forget about her. Yeah, no. Um, so Her, the, 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 the simplest, cleanest death of them all, <laughs> right? Like just a simple, just a simple bus. Um, Are you ready for to play some final destination trivia? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So as always, the trivia section is five questions plus a bonus. They go in order from least difficult to most difficult. Mm-hmm. And the grand prize is bragging rights. Yes. Now you mentioned to me that this movie is very memorable. So do you feel confident about the trivia? You know, uh, my spirits are high. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just roll with it, um, and I will, I will either land all the questions or, or death will. I don't know. There's You'll meet no, your fate. I will meet my fate <laughs> one way or the other. All right, here comes question number one. Mm-hmm. Which artist's music is heard frequently throughout the film? Um. Well, there. This was the thing I missed because he references it in the bathroom scene in the in the airport. Um, I know that the scene with the teacher, she's listening to John Denver, so I'm gonna assume that that's John. That it that, that it is John Denver for the whole film. Yes, John yeah. Denver. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah, they play. Yeah, they, he. Yeah, he. He had that reference to him in the bathroom. He's like, "Oh, he died in a plane crash." Yeah. And, and then I knew that the the music he kept hearing throughout the movie was that. And then when she played that song by him, uh, the teacher played the song by him. I was like, "Oh wait, is this the same guy?" Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. just because I missed it in the beginning. So yeah, in fact, the, but the, unfortunately, there were a lot of repetitions. Right. So. The song. Well, the song that they play is uh, "Rocky Mountain High." Um, yeah, uh, they play a lot. And uh, yeah, John Denver. Uh, beloved folk uh, music artist from the 60s and 70s. He died when he was 53 from a plane accident. He was actually a pretty avid pilot, but uh, he was he was flying a solo flight uh, in uh, in um, I believe it was Alaska, and he crashed and, and died. Yeah. It's pretty sad. But um, uh, it's interesting enough. Like one of the screenwriters for for this film, uh, they they got the idea for it 
uh, or one of the ideas they got for it was when they were about to board a plane, the that song actually came on. And he was like, huh, that's really weird because John Denver died in a plane crash. And he made the connection. He's like, wouldn't that be really weird if there was like something wrong with the plane? Yeah. <laughs> Freaky. Yeah. If there was something wrong with the plane. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment? Now, this used to happen to me a lot, quite a bit back when radio was more of a thing. You know, you'd be driving, listening to a song and you'd be thinking of something or referencing something. And then the next song would seemingly reference that same thing has that ever happened to you like where like mm. music is kind of eerie i you know i i feel like i've had moments like that where i think a thing and then it happens in the next moment mm-hmm. but it's like it, it's it's always it's always like so quick when it happens when I have the thought about the thing and then the next thing happens mm-hmm. that like I think there's enough doubt in me that I'm mm. like wait did I actually think this right. thing before it happened <laughs> or is it just my mind processed the thing as I heard it so quickly that it just it felt like cause, cause that's like that's like a thing that like you know there's there's like the, the subtle bit of input lag between right. hearing and vision and stuff it's it's like that thing where like if you look away from a clock and then look at it like the second hand lingers just like a millisecond longer or something like that because that's your eyes like catching up to it or like deja so, vu basically yeah yeah and like deja vu it's like i just experienced thing. this but it's actually your brain catching up to the exactly experience. yeah yeah so um, or it could be a glitch in the matrix i mean uh 100 <laughs> a possibility simulation theory all right so you got that one that one was super easy mm-hmm. uh here comes question number two yes uh this is a two-part question Okay. And I'll give you credit for it if you get one or the other, but I think they're oh. both pretty easy. <laughs> I have to ask, are are we going to do like another death sequence question like with the thing? <laughs> Not for the trivia. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Um, what was the flight number and the departure time of the doomed aircraft? Uh, it was flight 180 departing at 925. Correct! See, yeah. super easy. Yeah. It also happened to be his birthday. Uh, yes, I was gonna, I was gonna hold off on birthday. saying that in case that was another question or a part of the question. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing is that when he gets on the plane, he sits on seat L, I'm uh, sorry, seat I, which is the ninth letter of the alphabet, and the seat he's in is in row 25. I was going to say, yeah, I feel like I remember seeing like the 25 and there was some other writing on the row indicator. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, what's the what's the thing? I was like, oh, is that another 925 thing? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice little detail. That's funny. That's funny because yeah. obviously there's there would never be a seat. Uh, wait, L or sorry? I. I. Yeah, I is a possibility. Yeah, I guess in yeah, I guess in, a, you have in enough, a plane that's right. that size. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most most of the flying I've done, it's usually like A through F. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Devin Sawa's birthday is in September, but it's not the twenty fifth. Uh-huh. It's on September seventh. You'd be like, "Fuck you guys! <laughs> Fuck Are you, you Mister Ryder, dude." <laughs> no, we really didn't know. <laughs> All right, you got that one. That one was great. Here comes question number three. Yes, yes, yes. Uh. No, Alex's best friend Todd suggests that he and Alex should take a road trip into the city and do what? 
it was the sound was a little quiet, but uh, I believe it was he said go see the Yankees. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Catch the Yanks. Yeah. Catch the Yanks. Uh, that was a very unnatural way of putting it. Catch the Yanks. Catch. Let's go catch the Yanks. I I I have never heard anyone refer to it that way. Canadians, you know. One of one of <laughs> no seriously, like one of my bosses at work is like a diehard like Yankees fan. Uh-huh. You know, like always gets tickets to every game like every year. Not this year. Um. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh-huh. And uh, I've never heard him use that turn of phrase at all. <laughs> yeah, nobody says catch the blank for sports. Yeah, no. Maybe like a catch, catch the 315 for a movie. Yeah. But but nobody in this movie talked like a human. So right. there you go. Like I was especially struck by like just all of the banter of the students as they were arriving at the airport. <laughs> and I was like, this is not giving me any sort of right. recollection of like my high school days. Like none of... None None of the popular kids, none of the... Oh, and also everybody looked like they were part of the popular preppy... Pretty set. much. Like, there was French no... French class, baby. Yeah, there was like no... Yeah, there was like no... Uh, yeah, there was no, like, sign of uh, any kind of diversity in that group of none students. None at all. Uh, yeah, it was pretty... Um, yeah, yeah, the movie takes place... Pretty wanting. The movie takes place, I guess, like in Long Island, um, and they depart from JFK. That's where the plane's supposed to depart. But it was filmed in Vancouver, so actually instead of JFK, they were at Vancouver International Airport. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, it really didn't look like America at all. It really, right, like, it didn't. It just did not have that feel. I mean, they had that like uh, section where they were at Jones uh, Beach. I've been to Jones Beach, and there are definitely not like forests like that surrounding the beach area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite a, quite a, quite a tale. Another interesting thing is Todd's name in the film is actually spelled with one D. Now in German, Todd T O D means death. Okay, okay. I mean, the, this movie was leaning heavy on the death. There was a lot of death references. Yeah, especially Alex's character. He just like every other fucking line of his yeah. it has the word death in mm-hmm. it. Like that gets even worse in the sequels, especially like the <laughs> second one. Like just has a bunch of death references. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you got that one. That one was easy. Let's go to question number four. We're mm. starting to get a little bit harder now, but uh, you, sh- you should still be able to get this one, I think. Uh, mm. This is another memorable exchange from the film. What two pieces of driving advice does Billy give Carter on the highway? Um, Drive the speed limit. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, don't pass on the right. Correct! (laughs) You got it! I I almost went the buckle up route, but... um but yeah, it took me a moment. That was that was like the one funny line that William Scott Carter or whatever his name is. Um Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. Fuck, I got his name right. Carter is the character, the not his character, the other character. Yeah, 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 yeah. But plays um, Bill. Sean William Scott. There we go. Um, don't, don't, don't name your child three first names. Like, come on. Just saying. I mean, he's probably, yeah, that's true. He can't help the last name, but. Yeah. Um, now, Billy, I guess you were mentioning how, like, they all seem like popular kids. I guess Billy, if we were going to be hard pressed, he would be like the loser of the group. Yeah, except, like, he was still kind of rocking, like, you know, baggy sportsy clothes, which, like, yeah, like, his style definitely was evocative of, like, the more popular 
yeah, of like of like more popular kids anyway. Too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I had no comprehension of the <laughs> social dynamic at all. It seemed like everybody was kind of this amorphous blob, and then and then pretty there, much, and then there was Ali Larder's character who just she she seemed she was like supposed she to be kind of goth loner, right? Uh, yeah. Not yeah, not like full goth, but like definitely like loner type person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all very she strange. She was into art and sculpture. Yeah, metalworking, uh, which was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. Um, I was surprised there was not some sort of convoluted metalworking disaster. I know, right? I why was not? Like, I was ready for that. Yeah, why not lean into that a little more? I guess yeah. like they, they use her material though, like the turpentine and stuff. True, it? true. Yes. All right, so here comes question number five. You are acing this quiz yeah, so far. Yeah, man. Memorable movie. I, I, I was worried I was going to eat those words, so uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it happens. All right, here comes the last question of the quiz. Mm. Uh, how does Bloodworth, the Undertaker, explain Todd's movement after death? Wait. Sorry, can you ask me that question again? Yes. How does Bloodworth, the Undertaker, played by Tony Todd... Yeah, yeah. How does he explain Todd's movement after death? And Todd's just lying there, and all of a sudden his arm goes berserk, and it freaks them out. Ah. Oh, oh, um... It was, um... It was, uh, shit. It was, um, it was like some sort of chemical, it was like some sort of like preserving chemical that w- that was in him. I-, I didn't catch the name of the chemical, but, but yeah. He doesn't mention the name, he just said chemicals. Yeah, yep. yeah chemicals. That's right. Yeah. Chemicals in the vascular flush create cadaveric spasms. Yeah. That's the exact line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me just say, that if I'm trying to avoid death, I would not go to a funeral parlor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it turns out sneaking into the funeral parlor was the least of the poor choices mm-hmm. that um, some of that that some of our uh, our heroes made as this film break in through the roof like that. Yeah, climb in through the roof, especially through that you know stained glass door thing that yeah. opens like. Yeah, there was not, a lot of bad decisions. Not a good, not a. We good were talking decisions. about uh, bad decisions abound in, in an earlier episode. This is definitely bad decisions abound. Yeah, in the movie. very much so. Oh well, um, you were acing this question. You don't need the bonus, but here comes the bonus I don't, anyway. I, this is, is you've this got first, bragging rights. Is this my first official full full ace? No, or? I don't think so. Okay, I think you've had one at least before. It's just been so long. It has been a while. It's been a while. But Joe, so congratulations! You have full bragging rights. Full bragging rights. So here comes the bonus. This yeah, is literally a I bonus. I still want for that you. bonus question. Uh, director James Wong and screenwriter producer Glenn Morgan. They both wrote and. Uh, directed several episodes of which popular 90s sci-fi horror television show? Hmm. That's a good question. Ooh. Sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. Oh. Would it be too much of a hint to ask what channel it was on? Um, yes. Okay. You don't even need a hint anyway, because you aced the quiz. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I just... <laughs> Sci-fi horror. Um, I am 
gonna say late 90s. Wait. Yeah. Oh God, the X Files. Correct. Oh, the X Files. Oh Canada, Canada <laughs> fucking saved my ass on that one. Yep. Oh, Another phew. Vancouver production. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Now, fucking right on. The interesting thing about this movie is that the story was originally the concept for uh, an abandoned X-Files spec script. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was inspired by uh, Soul Survivor from 1984. The film, to me, feels like a feature-long X-Files episode, except that we don't have Mulder and Scully in it. A little bit, yeah. Like, well, it, it was... I was a bit puzzled by the ongoing presence of the FBI agents because we're never really fully sure, like, where they're at in their investigation at any point in the movie. Why are they even there? And, and like, and, like, they're keeping it close, but, like, but, like, it's not, like... Like they 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 say out loud, we don't think you did the bomb. So right. it's not it's not even like we're watching the movie and and like the the kid also has to like clear his name or anything right. like that. Like they they're pretty clear that like they know that he didn't do it, but they're still sticking around because they know some weird shit's going on. And and so that I found that puzzling. Yeah, and um, if you had a scolder and Molly, then it would make sense because they're investigating the paranormal aspect. Exactly. Of it. Yeah, and and they would have been more inclined to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, just and, and they would have been more I, hands on. I think. Oh, I can just see the glint in Mulder's eye as he explains <laughs> what's going on, and Scully just being like, "Mulder, that's impossible." Like, yeah, I can see it. I can absolutely see it. I don't 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 dismiss it outright, Scully. Come on, <laughs> um, X Files is an amazing show. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's so let's discuss a little more about like the themes. We were talking about how death and fate are kind of themes in this. Now, again, going back to the whole like episode of X Files thing, I think like something like you were talking about how one dimensional this is. This kind of concept works better for me. If we're if we're actually going to take a serious stab at this, yeah, it works better for me as a forty five minutes story. Stretching it out for an hour and a half, and then removing like your two ongoing characters, kind of does make it very one dimensional. Like I don't know. In in every horror film that we've seen so far, mm-hmm. there has been like there's been like a specific understanding of the antagonist usually it's like a single specific antagonist right but like in the case of um hellraiser like there's still a specific understanding of like what's going on and right. like and like of the opposing parties that are like in the film and mm-hmm. and that are like you know trying to outwit each other and mm-hmm. survive the film um and so with this movie like they obviously put in a lot of exposition into just how these characters come to the realization that death has it in for them. Um, but like, but like it, the the thing itself is just so, I mean, it, it is, it is clearly defined, right. but like, but like there's just there's no development or understanding of like what the thing actually is so it does feel like it's stretching itself out yeah. an awful lot and 
Yeah, like, and, and, and so, like, the, the film does find interesting and amusing ways to keep escalating, yeah. at least. But, like, it's just, it's, it, it's, yeah, it, it definitely is also spinning its own wheels a the, little the, bit, the core The core subtext is not ever fully explored to its fullest potential. Yeah, they never really go any further than just... That, you know, Alex is is wise to the fact that death is, right. is after them and he figures out that there's an order to the thing. Yeah. But like But why is he getting premonitions in the first place? Yeah. We, don't, we never get an explanation. Yeah. For and and it's like I don't necessarily think that we need to have like an explicit explanation. Like it's not like we need to it's it's not like we need to necessarily yeah have have it like spelled out for us right. but it, it i don't know it just there's something i'm having a hard time putting it into words because like the movie it, because it's just like it, it is just death and that's right. it it's yeah. just it's just death or fate it's death fate yeah and yeah, I don't know. I'm having a hard time putting words like, to like what it is that it's missing. I feel like so you know the the Alex character when he gets the first premonition, that's really the the the, the part that I'm that I struggle with from a logic perspective because I'm like, okay, let's say that these people survived this event and then death is after them. I get that. I'm like, okay, that's a cool concept, I guess. We can explore that further. Yeah. And then, oh, they get weird premonitions because now, you know, death is always chasing them. Yeah. But why did Alex have that weird premonition to begin with? Which is, which is to say, you know, we don't need, like you said, we don't need a detailed explanation. He doesn't have to be a chosen one or anything like that. But how has death touched him that he is keen to its workings before the event happens. Yeah. I think that that's like the connection that I'm missing. Yeah, a little bit. One, especially because I think if there is any character that it would make more sense for them to have that kind of connection to it, it would actually be... Um, Claire. Uh, Claire's character. Yeah, yeah. Claire, Allie Larder. Because um, uh, she, she does have that specific event that touched right. her life her dad um, got shot and uh yeah and there's no indication of that in uh in alex's case beyond right. just that he's kind of superstitious and very yeah, highly he's just, strong yeah, like, he's just an anxious guy um yeah he just yeah and 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 it is fun to see him unwind throughout the movie right. um uh, that that definitely is is fun and 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 they they do a good job with that but yeah i i'm kind of Surprised that it isn't Claire that made Claire. Yeah. Claire. It's a C L E A R. Clear. That's her name. Her name is Clear. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's but it's clear. Hmm. Not Claire. Clear. Man, we should be we should we should have a camera to film these just for the, the look that I know was on my face well, when episodes. you explained that to me. Seriously. Uh, most of the characters in the film are named after directors or stars from black and white horror films. Here are some examples. We have uh, uh, the last name Cheney, who's Long Cheney. We have a Wagoner from director jo- uh, George Wagoner. Browning, named after dire- director Todd Browning. Uh, Larry Murnau, named after F.W. Murnau. Uh, he was a director of the first Dracula film. Um, if we have... Uh, uh, 
Shrek, uh, who was Mac, Max Shrek, that was one of the agents. Uh, Max Shrek starred in Nosferatu, which is also a, okay. a Dracula film. Um, Val- Valerie Luton, the um, uh, teacher. Val Luton, of course, produced several famous horror films. Uh, Blake Dreyer uh, is named after Carl Theodore Dreyer, who directed Vampire. Howard Siegel, uh, named after Don Siegel, directed Dirty Harry. And Billy Hitchcock, who was played by Sean William Scott, uh, whose name plays homage to um, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, and and you know, I think that 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 kind of love for like the history of horror um, is a little bit evident in this movie. Mm. Like, I think that you know, like I said, like the you know, it's clear that they're trying to they're trying to sort of twist the conventions of of how a horror film typically sort of will build right. suspense before a killing. Um, and, and it, so, so it plays like a a thought experiment on like, how do you, how do you make a horror film without a, a, a actual monster without a monster or a, or a killer? Like, like, yeah, like a killerless horror film. Yeah, it's, where a, it's a slasher film without a slasher. Exactly. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that. That that would be the quote unquote writing prompt for right. it, and that's like how it. That's kind of how it plays in mm-hmm. in terms and and so I'm 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 intrigued by that and 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 I'm impressed with like with with how they do make good use of a lot of those cinematic cues. Yeah. Um, in those scenes, and then obviously compounding that with just like you know, a- as you mentioned, like a Rube Goldberg machine mm-hmm. level of just sophistication <laughs> and how much bad luck death they always have. finds his way. Yeah, always, always get their man or woman. Uh, so this was actually the first theatrically released teen horror film to not feature a corporeal murderer. The first one. Wow. And okay. it's uh, the only other theatrically released horror films to date to also not feature a visible murderer are Ouija, 2014, Unfriended, also 2014, and Truth or Dare from 2018, all three of which are Blumhouse Productions. Uh, same production. No, not House from this, from this one. one, no. Mm-mm. Okay. No, but all those, those are produced by Jason Blue. Just coincidentally, they're from yeah. the same producer. Let's go into the first, since we're talking about death and all that, you know, let's talk about more about the violence. The first GSV segment is... Shots, 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 They do mention this in the movie. How many students slash teachers die in the explosion? 39 correct yeah yep and and they and and i have to say a weird a weird touch for them to when they do the unveiling of the memorial um to to choose to do it 39 days after the event and to be like 39 days ago we lost 39 people i was like okay that's a little too witty (laughs) by half like that's a little much a little cheeky and also that 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 memorial, I don't know. That seemed like that the the plan to put up that memorial, memorial g- came together real quick. The giant so eagle statue, huge fucking eagle. Jesus, also in poor taste. I mean, uh, yeah, an eagle, eagle yeah, flying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> how I feel about 
that memorial. I think there are yeah, there there are many memorial angles that you could take right. for like the victims of a plane crash. I don't know about the Canadians, you know. The hey. um plane scene is how we start the movie. Every Final Destination movie starts with a huge disaster scene which a few people survive. Yeah. And um the the big premonition basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh when we were watching it, I mean, you were visibly, you know, reacting to its ridiculousness. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, so for starters, like, just what a fragile world. Right? Like, just, like, uh, what a, what a, I don't know if it's just, like, the the natural, the, the inevitable direction of, like, pure capitalism, <laughs> where, like, just everything is so cheaply made and, and, and really literally the lowest bidder manufactured every home and every plane. And they fire all of the, like, like uh, the, the inspectors. Yeah, just like, just like no government over site or no anything like control. that because like just like watching how that plane fell apart like it was just so absurd <laughs> the fact that literally i i missed the shot of like the there was a person who who got shredded up somehow in right. the plane oh my god um, i i missed what it was that did that but i was just like wait why is there blood splattering all over yeah. the place like like why didn't the plane just uh, like yeah the plane was just like slowly falling apart um people it, were getting sucked out yeah like I, one by one like when, so when that everyone s- else can have a lo- nice long look at each person when you see the the event one, like, happening like afterwards it just happens as an explosion in the background yeah but, but when you're actually like experiencing it it, it, a lot of shit happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering because I remember, I, I do, I remembered having specific memories of of watching the trailer and and of like the scene where they're in the airport and they mm-hmm. see the plane explode. So I was like, <laughs> so, so I was really confused by like how long the complete breakdown of the plane took right. when he was having his vision about it. Um, so absurd, so over the top. Uh, but there's a lot of over the top. In a lot of over, and it's not, and that's not even not even the most over the top. It's not even no, how fast, not even close. The plane scene um, was created inside a very large soundstage. There was a three-ton hydraulic gimbal that was operated automatically. Uh, they say um, uh, we spent two months building this central set piece, which weighs forty-five thousand pounds and holds eighty-nine people. It's used for filming the onboard sequences. It could be shifted to create this uh, pitching of movement up to 45 degrees side to side, 60 degrees front to back, realistically conveying the horror of airborne engine failure. Now, Sawa, Devin Sawa said that the screams of the cast inside the gimbal are genuine and made to appear more real. Um, The director, Wong, said, you walk into the studio and there's a huge gimbal with a plane on top and you think, what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) I was afraid we're going to have 40 extras vomiting. <laughs> it was basically like a huge like simulator that they built. That's them. wild. That mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, if if you have the resources to get it built and I mean to do it safely, obviously, right. then like um then yeah, fucking go for it. It um, kind of reminds me of the uh the set that they built in the inception for the revolving hallway. Yeah, a little right. bit. A little bit. Um, There's just something cool about like if you make it 
real, you know, when you get like those genuine reactions. Yeah, definitely. And and and, and yeah, to yeah, to be able to film that and And the and actors uh, who played Todd and uh and and uh Billy, Sean William Scott, um they have motion sickness, so they actually took dramamine. And yeah. if you if you notice like very carefully in the scenes you can see like it doesn't it never really have a, has a close up of them during the disaster scenes because if you but notice they're like, they're like a they're little drowsy. Zonked out. Wow. <laughs> that is wild. That's so funny. Um I for me it's usually like a coin toss whether I need Dramamine to get through a flight or not. Really? So yeah, I'll usually buy it and then I'll I'll like when I'm sitting in the plane I'll like yeah, sometimes I'll be like, I think I can make it through, and then other times like, I've never taken it. I mean, I get and I get car sick sometimes. Yeah, well, and you know, I I have to say, like, I don't know, I whether I take Dramamine or no, I definitely always conk out hard on an right. airplane. Yeah, sleeping like, on a plane. Yeah, there's just yeah, there's just something about it that like yeah, once once you've been in the cabin for a little while and like uh, after you've felt the the pressure of takeoff yeah. and stuff like that, like uh, yeah, I don't know, I just fucking I fucking knock out like every fucking time, and I never get drinks on planes usually either. So, yeah, like. And see, I th- I find it's good it's good to sleep because it makes the the flight go faster. Yeah, honestly. yeah, definitely. I mean, I always wake up somewhere in the middle of the flight, and right. usually I'm like a little grumpy just because I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm I just, still here. I want my soda, <laughs> like, and my pretzels. Ding, ding. A little bit, a little bit. Um, uh, all right, here comes the question that you thought was going to be in the quiz. I have to ask it now, though. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. How and in what order do the survivors meet their fates? Well, in, as far as how it actually plays out, so we have um, uh, the, the friend who is the brother. Todd. Todd, yeah, he buys it first. Todd with one D. Um, then we have and how? Oh, and uh, <laughs> he he slips in the bathroom, <laughs> falls into the shower, where the cord that's holding up the curtain ends up wrapped around his throat and around the shower handle. Mm-hmm. Whilst falling into the thing, uh, this is going to take a fucking while that's for fine. all these deaths. That's fine. Whilst falling into the shower, a shampoo bottle is knocked out. <laughs> To the tub, which prevents him from being able to get a foothold to prevent himself from being choked to fucking death. Um, Also, his eyes go very red while that happens. I don't know how realistic that is, but like... Yeah, that 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 one made my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Just like seeing the eyes go red, that 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 fucked with me a little bit. I think I think that's accurate. I think that when you're, I mean, yeah. I don't know if you guys know out there, let us know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I I'd buy that. Just like, uh, but yeah, it was it was it was gnarly. It you was can, gnarly to see. You can get tweet us out at the uh, GSV Pod on Twitter and, and let us know if that is actually accurate. But I feel like that's accurate when you're when you're choking your your capillaries will yeah. burst. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Todd. Now, yeah, that's, uh, how convenient that he couldn't get a foothold in the shower. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that one was really fucked up. I mean, I think like I don't know, that like court look, didn't even seem like that. Like, why couldn't he just like break it? Yeah, I I have to say, I mean, I don't know. He seemed like a, a he seemed like a pretty lightweight dude. Right. Um, but yeah, I would have thought like his weight, like he probably could have pulled himself down on it. 
But also, I think, like, even if, like, his feet were slipping on the thing, like, at the bare, I don't know, like, maybe there was a way to at least get a foothold on, like, the sides of the tub or yeah. something like that. Yeah, like, drape your leg across, like, across, yeah. like, the, the side yeah. and then... I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't totally not buy it because, like, obviously, if you're choking, then, like, you are in fight or flight mode. Right, so yeah, you don't I don't know it. how much time or, or presence of mind you'd have to have to... <laughs> To, to be able to reevaluate, but um, yeah, that that one was was pretty fucked up. All right, so who do we have after Todd? So after Todd, we have Terry, who mm-hmm. gets hit by a bus. That yeah. one, yeah, the the quickest, cleanest death. Right. Um, she she got off lucky. Yeah. Um, and Devin saw what saw it too. He saw the the signs. He saw the bus. Yeah, everything. he saw the signs of the bus. Um, yeah, and especially because I think Terry Terry was rightfully calling out the bullshit yeah. of of of. You know, Alex losing his fucking mind and Carter being just like a overly aggressive psychopath. Right. For no um, reason. Yeah. I, I, I could not understand why he freaked out at Alex when Alex freaked out on the plane. Like, like Alex was freaking out and Carter was like, no, I'm going to start throwing punches, basically. And yeah. I was like, mm, no, <laughs> you stay in your lane. Say, I don't know, like, say, say something rude to him or something. Don't like, don't. People freaking out in a plane, that's not an uncommon occurrence. That happens all the time. And yet everyone in this film acted like this never happens in a million years. Well, yeah. And and I think that, like, as far as, like, Alex behaving the way he did, yeah, I would imagine him getting removed from the plane is pretty realistic. Because Carter got up and got antagonistic with him, I also do by Carter getting removed from the plane. But, but why get but, antagonistic? But, yeah, but, but also why get antagonistic? And then also, like, once, you know, they were removed from the plane, and then, like, the teacher followed them off, and, you know, a couple other people came out mm-hmm. with them, I'm not sure why the captain was like, yeah, all seven of you are not getting back on this yeah. plane. That, Makes that sense. seemed so absurdly arbitrary. Right. Um, I have decided. Yeah, that was that was weird. Was that the captain or was that a flight attendant who said that? Um, I I think I think what I think it was a captain because I think I saw like the shoulder pads mm. on him, and also because I think that like you know that the captain of a plane would would have, have the, the final authority. say of 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 like ejecting somebody from the flight. I don't think a flight attendant would 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 be able to do that. I think it would be like if an issue happened, then then it would get escalated to the captain. All right. So who's after Terry? So after Terry. Oh, uh, it's uh, the teacher Ms. next. Luton. Yes, Miss Luton. Um, and <laughs> now they're going to get much more difficult to remember. <laughs> Such a memorable film, though. Um, but uh, so she. Ooh, what 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 starts? Oh, okay. So um, she <laughs> she drinks vodka from a mug that cracks yep. and spills the vodka onto her computer, mm-hmm. causing the screen of her computer <laughs> to explode into her neck, causing right? her to start bleeding. Yep. She stumbles whilst bleeding back into the kitchen. Um, Right? Yes. So okay. far, so good. Okay, so she stumbles back into the kitchen. Um, and uh, oh, this is this is where I get lost. She She's reaching up for... 
Well, okay, but before that happens, like the she she hits the stove and a fire starts, right? Oh yeah, that's happening simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as she's stumbling around, bleeding from the neck, like yeah, the stove goes crazy and a massive fire erupts in the kitchen. Um, she eventually stumbles over onto her back and she reaches for the cloth, whose default hanging position. <laughs> Is, is on her fucking knife rack. And so when she pulls the cloth that lives on top of the knives, uh, the cloth, of course, gets snagged on the knife, yep. causing one of them to fall right down into her chest. Um, and then uh, at that point, Alex comes into the house and he tries his best to help her, but... Uh, a chair falls on top of the knife, driving it further into her chest, actually killing her. Um, that Boom. one was great. Yeah, that one was great. That, as we mentioned, <laughs> uh, well, we were watching it. That's the that one's the most Rube Goldbergy of of all the deaths. Yes, yes, not the most ridiculous of no. all deaths, but like a perfect, a perfectly well oiled machine. Yeah, or or well vodka machine. <laughs> Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting too is that so for Todd's death, we he kind of sees like a black shadow behind him when he's looking in the mirror. Yeah. And initially, early on in, in the movie's filming and production, they were toying with the idea of actually having a pers- personification of death as a shadow, hmm. but they dropped it immediately after that. They already like I guess like conceptualized the scene, so they kept it for that scene. And they basically did the other ones more like accidents, like, you know. Yeah, well, because the, the, we do see the shadow again. We see it in Miss Luton's death. Um, she mm-hmm. sees it in, like, the reflection on her on her mm-hmm. uh, tea kettle. And um, we also see we also see the sad the shadow sort of like become a puddle uh, during the car death scene. Right. As well. Um, but. Then we don't really see it again for the final few yeah. deaths because it's not. But it's not like uh, as personified. It's just like a, you know, a yeah. specter. Just like yeah, something's happening. Who knows? It's death. Yeah. Um. So okay. So after Miss Luton, who do we have? So after Miss Luton, um, we have uh, Sean William Scott's death, which is actually. Also a relatively clean death, though um, the setup for it is pretty absurd because uh, this is happening when Carter has his own little mental freak out and starts driving very recklessly. It's supposed to be Carter's death. And it's supposed to be Carter's death. So he he stops the car in the middle of train tracks. Uh, It takes everybody far too long to get the doors (laughs) of the car open to get out as they realize the train is coming. Um, They exchange a lot of unnecessary dialogue with Carter. Right. Um, uh, and then, and then when Carter realizes he wants out, the car arbitrarily locks itself, uh, and, and Carter's seatbelt also gets stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex fortunately has a premonition that the seatbelt will tear, so he's able to pull Carter out of the seat. Um, uh, but the train passes, um, having destroyed the car, and a piece of metal, uh, is stuck on the tracks underneath the passing mm-hmm. train until a piece of chain on the undercarriage of the right. train uh, grabs the metal and <laughs> propels it at Sean William Scott, cutting the top half of his head off of the rest of his head. Um, he did. And he did. All right, so, and we got one more. 
And then we got one more. We got the death of Carter. Yep. Um, uh, wherein, uh, I don't know. They're in Paris. A bunch <laughs> of shit fucking happens. Um, a thing flames up. A bunch of glass falls. Um, Alex, uh, oh yeah. Uh, Alex almost gets hit by a bus, but the bus then careens and, and crashes into a thing that causes a massive hotel sign to mm-hmm. fall and, um, and Carter saves Alex's life, but then lo and behold, because he saved Alex's life, he is no longer the safest motherfucker on earth right. and gets hit by a massive swinging sign. I don't even know where the fulcrum of that fucking swinging sign How was. How does that even work? I is, it, is it just like tied by a wire or I something? Don't, like- yeah, I, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Uh, I love that that was how the fucking movie ended right. because first it's like Alex is clearly Who's still next? losing his shit and then and then um it, you know another fucking thing happens and then but who's next and then it's Carter and that's the end of the movie yeah. another wonderful ending a movie with a punchline yeah um just like they live mm-hmm. um, they lives was, was much better yeah. yeah they lives was much better um yeah that was just really and absurd. then Alex and Clear survive. But they do survive for now. But also, I think we've got to give a lot of recognition to the lengths that death went to to try to kill clear. Right. Considering like you've got the whole like, you know, an electric wire jumping all over the backyard. So she goes out to save her dog's life. But (laughs) the wire, you know, knocks over the satellite, which jams its way into the above ground pool, causing all the water to spill out (laughs) towards them. She realizes what peril she is in standing in the water. So the clearly the best the best course of action she could take in that moment whilst this thunderstorm is going on and whilst this wire is jumping around, Mm -hmm. shooting electricity everywhere, is for her to climb up the side of her own house on the garden lattice. Of course. Makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, that whole sequence that that sequence was where I just started laughing. Yeah. And I don't think I stopped laughing for the rest of the movie, like uh, because just blowing out all the all the electrical. Yeah, exactly. Then like the she climbs up the side of her house back into her own bedroom. At which point, <laughs> like all of the electric things in the house just are exploding everywhere. I was mm-hmm. just like, this is perfect. Then she gets trapped in her car. The 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 garage door thing gets jammed through a windshield. Right. Uh the cord is on the thing, but Alex is smart. He remembers a science class. He tells her she's grounded. Yep. But then of course a thing of propane gets fucking jammed under the thing and yeah. It, and the turpentine lights on fire. And the turpentine lights on fire, the art and um, The car's going to explode. And the car's going to explode. So Alex sacrifices himself. Oh my god. Yes. Um but uh, death does not kill him at that point, though. Yeah. No, it does not. And again, and, and that's the other thing, too, is that, yeah, to kind of bring it back to the sort of the, the, the amorphous and unclear nature of the film's antagonist mm-hmm. is that, like, it seems like they've kind of figured out the formula for, like, the order. And they right. figured out that, like, if there's an intervention, it will cause the order to skip. Mm-hmm. Except, like, there's not really an explanation for why in that moment Alex didn't just fucking die from the explosion. Yeah. It just kind of jumps to six months later. Yeah, because so. it should have been him, I guess, right? Because he's putting, yes, he's taking ex- the death for her. Yeah. So, 
So yeah, yeah, I, it makes and, no sense. And, and and also his whole uh, epiphany when he's in his 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 death proof cavern, um, <laughs> which which I loved that sequence. I loved like how batshit insane he was. Yeah. How he looked like he had showered in like months or something. Eating his like chicken pate or whatever. oh my god, that looked so disgusting. <laughs> you could did. see the look of disgust on his face yeah. as he was eating it. Um, but like he comes to the realization that because he didn't move in his seat, it was like it was so weird because like he has the premonition that he moves in his seat, right. but because he doesn't move in real life that means the order would have been different except for the fact that it, it's only because he had the premonition that he didn't move right so like there's a whole there's a whole causality element to this mm-hmm. that is very amorphous and and doesn't doesn't make any sense seem to actually adhere to any sort of logical sense there so. are no rules yeah no there Death are no just rules. takes a vacation and does whatever the fuck it wants uh, it's it's just like that scene in Looper where Bruce Willis is like, we're not gonna fucking draw this out in napkins. Like, we're not gonna do that shit. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, let's go on to our next segment, which is boob tube. Uh, there was one pair of boobs in a penthouse magazine. Yeah, that's the only piece of nudity in the movie. Not a lot of sex. No, I mean, no sex really. Pretty much. Oh, a little bit of um. A little bit of interesting tension between Romantic Claire, tension. Claire and, and Alex. And and, and and like I think it definitely I don't know. There was there was something a little horny about the way Alex was like or no, the way that uh Claire was like I felt that connection with you on the plane. Right, yeah. Like, I don't know. The, uh, I was like I mean it's you- Devin Sawa. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're they're both they're both beautiful people. Dude's got dreamy eyes. He's, he's got he's got such dreamy nervous tics. Um, so, um, so yeah, there's a little bit of that of that romantic and possibly sexual death related tension. But a lot of PDA too. also between Terry and Carter, uh, especially yeah, yeah, on the plane. Yeah, You know, they seem like they had a healthy sex life. Yeah. I'm sure back at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe not the best communicators, but. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. What did you think about? Uh, let's talk about Terry and Miss Luton first. What did you think about them as as uh, characters, mm. female characters in this movie? Um, pretty pretty absent for the most part. Mm-hmm. Terry, especially, like they. It was clear that Terry kind of was meant to be the voice of reason, kind of the foil to Carter's just unbridled, you know. <laughs> rage or right. something like testosterone um <laughs> uh and 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 it's interesting that like you know it seems like terry's only role is to kind of obstruct carter from getting too off out of control and right. to fly off the handle except that after she dies carter doesn't really become that much more aggressive i mean like he does have his freak out behind the wheel of the car yeah. but like, he slowly gets tempered. I think it's part of it, though, is is probably her death that kind of like yeah, know, I mean, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe maybe he does gain more perspective or something as a result of it. Um, and then as far as Miss Loughton, I was actually like, I was actually honestly a little disappointed in like how her character seemed to really. I I don't know. I I, I was. I, I was a little puzzled by why her character didn't engage with the <laughs> why she didn't engage with you know the fact that clearly something really fucky was right. going on. Like 
it, it seemed like her character just like completely shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like, look, maybe that you know, maybe that's realistic. You think or, maybe, or that, somewhat realistic, maybe that's like but, an extension of the tropes because it's a it's a teen horror film. Yeah. So I feel like in those in teen horror films, the the teens are smarter than the adults often. Maybe. So maybe it's a part of that because obviously the FBI agents are a couple of fuckheads too. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Except even the FBI agents seemed to kind of know that something was going on. I a, a little bit, like not quite. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so weird that, like, they were clearly hanging so close. Right. But, like, weren't necessarily, like, that antagonistic of a presence throughout the film. Like, they, like, they kind of were, like, they certainly were, like, trying to keep Alex from, like, going near people and stuff like that. But, like, then they do let him go. Right. Like, after they have him in that interrogation It seems like they're actually trying to help at some point. And, and, yeah, and by the end of the movie, yeah, it seemed like they were just like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to try to just keep him under wraps and... Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think both both Terry and and Miss Loughton are a little underbaked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought Clear's character was definitely pretty pretty well defined. Yeah, well acted and well defined. I thought she was um, she was the I think like our, our obviously our major female character. Yeah, uh, and you thought that she was uh, pretty three dimensional. Yeah, I mean, part. I think basically, really, really, it was just Alex and. Really was just Alex and Clear, honestly, because Carter he has his freak out, and and I think by virtue of the fact that he lives the longest, mm-hmm. like he has the most dimensions to him. But like, there's not that much to the other characters. A little bit, a little bit of interesting interactions between Todd and Alex. Um, Todd's presence definitely, you know, pretty 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 well realized, but uh, for for how short he lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Right. Uh, but yeah, most of the other characters are pretty, pretty narrowly drawn. Yeah, so yeah, it's basically those two characters. Yeah, but I, someone has observed that that Larder never actually seems to be entirely at ease with her part, and finds her one-on-one conversations between her and Alex to be quote annoyingly jagged. Did you find that to be true? Um, no. No, not really. I mean, I think there's not a lot of consistency as far as, like, how much she buys into the whole thing. Because it seems like she's drawn to Alex very early on Mm -hmm. and is, like, willing to engage with him. But then she doesn't believe him, like, after she's down to, like, go to the funeral home with him. Um, So, yeah, they kind of go back and forth with her a little bit. And there's not, like, a... Uh, yeah, there's not as much of, like, a clean progression of, like, how on board she is with his whole thing. And also because his his realization of what's going on also kind of comes on in a weird pace as well. Yeah, it so. does. But, but she is the one who, like, from the beginning, like, not, she doesn't buy in, but she, I guess, believes But she gets him. off the plane. Right. Like, um, and, and, she, and she fesses up to the fact that she's, like... I I felt something that you felt too, right? And I got off the plane too. So it, it just it struck me as a little odd that like she would be that forthright about it, mm-hmm. but then like be like, nah, you're you're talking nonsense, right? Like yeah, in Todd, the next, scene. he was like, Todd Todd killed himself. She says basically, yeah, yeah. She buys into that. So yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a weird. Uh, so in that sense, the character is kind of jagged. Then yeah, I guess you could say yeah, yeah. I I mean yeah. A little bit. But her personality is pretty well defined. You know, they give her 
artistic sensibilities and a, yeah, a yeah, and, and, her, and her backstory as well. Like mm-hmm. I think you know that's 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 appropriate for this film. Yeah. So let's go into the next segment, which is uh, that's problematic. Um, how has the film aged, especially since this was released a year before nine eleven? Yeah, I mean <laughs> the the a lot of airline protocol that I'm pretty sure would right. not. Fly, no yeah. pun intended. Um, um, but I'm not necessarily so sure how much that has to do with the fact that it's pre 9 11 mm. versus just that, like, the movie itself is such a weird imitation of America and American dynamics. Right. Well, um, I, I, there is a something interesting that I read about how if this had been released after that date um, or, or if it had taken place after 9 11. Uh, the flight would not have been allowed to depart after removing the survivors from the plane. Like, if they had forcibly removed some people from the plane, they would have just canceled the flight altogether. It wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't have even allowed it to f- depart. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, I think I think that that's part of why the the continuing presence of the FBI agents was confusing because I think that, like, especially post nine eleven, like there would be some serious fucking scrutiny going yeah. on. Like they Absolutely. would have, they would have probably really been on his ass a lot right. because they would have been like, okay, you, you were trying to get off this plane yeah. and then this and absurd you said sabotage. The, you happened. said the word explosion on the plane. Yeah. And yeah. then it exploded. Like, what do you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty undiverse movie. Like very undiverse. Very, very white film. Um, the only not white character is the mortician. William Bloodworth, played William by Bloodworth. Tony Todd. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question. A, ni- a nice a nice homage. Again, like, you know, a nice homage to horror film history. Um, but uh but yeah. I wanted to ask you a question specifically about Mr. Bloodworth. Yeah. And I even mentioned it to you while we were watching the movie. Yeah. Um, because you, 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 as you mentioned, he is the only, um, minority character of note in the entire film. Uh, and he plays this very specific role and then he's gone for the rest of the movie. Yeah. He does come back in subsequent, he comes back in, uh, um, the second film. Okay. Um, uh, more, more encouragement for me to, to follow up with the series (laughs) to be sure. But, uh, but in this movie, he's just in that scene, provides some key information, then leaves. Now, in the world of cinema, there is a supporting stock character who is known as the Magical Negro. And the characteristic of the Magical Negro is they come to the aid of white protagonists and they often possess special insight or mystical powers. And uh, do you think that Mr. Bloodworth fits the bill of being part of the magical negro tradition uh i mean he certainly is kind of he is certainly again an example of an underbaked character because he literally seems to only exist in the film um to impart this you know very specific insight into right. yeah. into the workings of the the death the death fate yeah um and uh and yeah i think that yeah, that that does sound like kind of playing straight to that trope, mm-hmm. um, and and it's a little, you know, you know, it's 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 a little 
underserving, like that there's there's not a little more there's not a little more investment for his character in the yep. scene beyond like I'm here at the funeral home and I'm going to fuck with your head like a little right, bit. Right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I feel like uh, because his only purpose is basically to provide a key piece of information. Yeah. And it's and it's so it's so weird how how specific it is to the plot of the movie too. It's not just him saying yeah, you know, there's the mechanics of death. It's him literally saying when you cheat death, x y and z happens. Yeah, and 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 also the fact that he just he you know he knows so much about who they are right. clearly like yeah. you know it's possible to that it could be that there are like explanations for like that maybe you know the faces of the survivors yeah, were broadcast or something, or something like that yeah. or you know he might have read the news story about Todd's death or something like that but but yeah no he seems to pretty much have fairly omniscient yeah. knowledge in his position um in fact so. there's a fan theory suggesting that Mr. Bloodworth is possibly a personification of the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Now, now Tony Todd and the director, Mr. Wong, have both denied that that fan theory has any credibility. Well, and, and also because, I mean, the insight he gives them is, you know, helpful information. Right. In a way. I mean, how helpful considering that only <laughs> two people still make yeah. it. But, like... You know, yeah, I feel like he'd be a little more if if he was actually death, like then I think he'd be a little more doom and gloom about mm-hmm. it and, and wouldn't offer them quite so much of a glimmer that there's maybe a way to cheat mm-hmm. the system. Yeah. Um he seems to be a little bit on the side of the angels uh, as it were. Um so yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I do think that his uh they they could have done something kind of cool with him. Like I I, I feel like how you know when we watched uh, the craft, there was the the magic shop lady, yeah, who kind of fits like the same kind of role. But but it, even even though the magic shop lady wasn't still that well developed with the character, I feel like she had more to do with the plot than well, this he, character. Yeah, did. she had some level. Yeah, she sort of had some level of investment right. in in. Um, in the characters that yeah. goes just beyond oh I know the things and I'm telling you the right, things right. like and now you're on your own and um it, like there's there's a more human connection mm-hmm. for her and and that when you know when somebody comes back to her for help later she's actually invested in yeah. in helping them um in this in this particular case yeah I I don't get the sense that yeah that that there is any level of like personal investment mm-hmm. for him in in the information he imparts he just kind of yeah. is literally there for exposition and then leaves and uh, i mean and he's he's a fantastic yeah, actor not a knock so, against tony todd yeah who, that's the thing like he's yeah he's a fantastic actor so like you know he he absolutely milks that scene right. for for very every, memorable every ounce regardless yeah. but um but yeah definitely uh not given that much help from a writing perspective uh one more uh, thing that popped up to me um problematic wise was very early on in the movie when they're getting on the plane Carter sees the baby and says uh, no it's not Carter sorry it's it's uh, Todd's brother yeah. who sees the baby and is like um you know how fucked up would it be for God to basically to 
to crash oh, yeah. the plane. Oh, oh, yeah. He specifically is like, we're safe we're because safe it would be a fucked a up god to fuck up this plane right. with a baby. And then he turns around and there's a disabled man. Yeah. Um, and I just want And then he says, really fucked really up fucked god. Up. Yeah. So that, my question is, do you think that that comes across as a little ableist? I mean, certainly, yeah. I think a little bit ableist on the part of the character, and and I think a little bit from a writing perspective Bad to taste. kind of just yeah to kind of just put that in there. Um, yeah, just because it's a joke. Yeah, right. Or it's it's supposed to be intended well, it's, for it's, humor, yeah, right? Yeah, as, yeah. As far yeah, the, the as far as like from the character's perspective, yeah, he's 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 making a yeah he's making a pretty poor tasteless right. joke. And the thing is, like, look, fucking, you know. High school kids are are shitheads. They're pretty. T- they're, they're I was all, tasteless when I was in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, yeah. High school kids do have a, a, a tasteless sense of humor, anyway. So, like, to include a beat in the film where a high school kid would say something tasteless about a disabled person, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, it, it doesn't strain credibility. Yeah, um, it's, it's just it's stuck but, but, to me. But yeah, I, I I was rubbed the wrong way by that moment. It like, just, like, why why put that in It there? sticks out like, to me because we never have an instance of anything like that again throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's a the thing. There's just, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's no way in which that moment actually, like, serves the story. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, it just, yeah, it just, it, it just, it felt like it was, it was there for a potentially cheap laugh. And I think, you know, again, it's, it's clearly played from the angle of this is just, you know, a kid being an asshole. Mm-hmm. But, like... Yeah, it definitely felt like... Could have been another way. Yeah. You could have just had the baby and just left it at that. Yeah, or something like that. Or like an old lady or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we don't want to be ageist either, but... Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it, yeah. Didn't, didn't appreciate it that much. All right. So, uh, we're winding down the discussion now, so I always want to ask you, um, what are your final thoughts about Final Destination? Your Final Destination thoughts. Do you think that it was a bad movie? A so-so movie, an uh, okay movie, good movie, great movie. Where do you stand? I'm going to say greater than the sum of its parts <laughs> is is where I come down on it. It's, uh-huh. um, <laughs> there's a lot of problems with it. Just right. the structural whatever and, and the writing and... Um, you know the character motivations like it's 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 a pretty mess it's a pretty big mess of a film um but that said it manages to be very entertaining and very fun throughout regardless mm-hmm. um and and you know i think that yeah like you mentioned it's it it's the first teen horror film to to have a non-corporeal antagonistic right. presence and so I think that um, uh, you know I I have a lot of <laughs> I have a lot of respect for the gumption of like <laughs> of 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 like trying to give yourself that challenge of mm-hmm. like how do you make a horror film like that? Um, it's definitely clear that these guys really like their horror, and so I think it, it definitely kind of comes off as a bit of a labor of love, yeah, in yeah. that way. Um, so uh, so yeah, it ended up being quite fun and and enjoyable. Um, yeah. How do, you, um, how do you come down? Uh, I, I agree. I think that, uh, I mean, objectively, it's a, it's a bad movie, but, you know, there are some bad movies that are great, and this is uh, a lot of fun, like you said. It's a, it's a blast. If, you, if you're coming to this movie to 
expecting like some sort of intellectually stimulating discussion of what death is and the nature of fate, you're not going to have it. Nope. But if you're going to watch this movie just to have like ridiculously over the top and complicated deaths of characters, then it's going to deliver in spades. I mean, yeah. that's what you're watching it for. You're, you're watching for those Rube Goldberg deaths. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is like the, the series keeps going and you get more of those. And I, you know, my favorite is uh, Final Destination 3. It has, and so the whole, I mean, the whole series is is uh, pretty entertaining if that's what you're looking for, and uh, the third one definitely has the the best combination of that like Rube Goldberg uh, death effect for me. But this one is uh, is pretty fun as well. This is probably my second favorite in the series, um, and you know, part of it. Well, also, and, and again, it like kicked it off, you know. And yeah, like, it kicked yeah. it off with idea, and part of it also, I feel like the cast is pretty strong in this one. Overall. Yeah, I'd agree. Acting wise, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, De- Devin Sawa, I thought yeah. that he was pretty good as that anxious teenager. Uh, yeah. Ali Larder, of course, is uh, pretty pretty great as, as Clear. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like it's a lot of fun. Yeah, agreed. All right, so uh, we want to thank you, or I want to thank you, Ned, for watching Final Destination with me. I want to thank you too for having me. I hope that you join me next time to watch another exciting movie. And we hope that you guys at home watch more movies and then join us for the discussion. Until then, don't let the next movie skip you. Go watch it. Nicely landed. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship, no emotion, just sex. Just sex. No relationship, no emotion, just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best violence. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best violence. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex 